Good morning, Ustad Khaled. Good evening, Mr. Noman. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, everybody, our listeners, our viewers. Thank you for once again tuning in to the Diwan podcast. Uh, this special episode, one more special episode that was not on our script for this month. But I uh, really appreciate the ideas that keep coming to, to me, to, to Ali Mahmoud, our co-host, who unfortunately, again, can't can be with us because he's uh, traveling in southern Yemen, looking, reporting on on some news, some breaking news there. Uh, but today, we thanks to Ustad Khaled again, the best best friend of uh, the One Podcast, reached out and uh, brought up the idea that there's a need to discuss the UN panel report more into detail because of the you know, the, the, the controversies that have emerged since the first media reporting, uh, which focused on corruption within the GOI, corruption with, within the Central Bank of Yemen, CBY, and corruption in Sana'a with the Houthi authorities. We saw a lot of backlash from, from the SDC as well because uh, of the way that, that, that the Southern Transitional Council was mentioned. Uh, we see the government still up until today um, uh, speaking about uh, the methodology, for example. Stad Noman brought up uh, an interesting point that, you know, the, the, the prime minister, uh, Mr. Abdul Malik, uh, is focusing, critiquing the, the UN panel report from January 2021 uh, because of its methodology, that it's flawed. And we'll get into why those words are used, why that language is used. But uh, we also uh, bring this up that yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, the prime minister's office announced that uh, there would be an audit uh, of the central bank. And I believe they, they, they're they going with Ernest and Young. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. gentlemen. Um, we'll see. I mean, the government has used auditors before and nothing has happened you know everything continues the same and so we want today to go into details on how the panel works and how the government of Yemen works during the year with the committee the 2140 committee uh, at the UN Security Council and I thank Ustad Khaled for bringing this up this idea because you know he's a former ambassador to the United Nations. Uh, I worked in the UN panel 2017 through March 2019, and we interacted uh, 2017, my first year, Stad Khaled, when you were ambassador in, in New York. And what we want to do is give you a little bit more of insight on how the panel works, how the, 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 the report is produced. And Ustad Khaled, as a, as a diplomat, he can tell you, he will tell us more about the challenges that the government of Yemen uh, experiences looking in from the outside because Yemen is not part of the committee. Yemen is not part of the, the Security Council. So Yemen is always looking from the outside. So, Ustad Khaled, uh, Ahland, uh, welcome once again. Thank you for joining us. Ustad Noman will help us uh, as uh, our listeners may may know uh, Ustad Mustafa Nooman, his former uh, ambassador, Spain, correct? Former ambassador to Spain for Yemen. Uh, he has written, I, I decided to 
I focused on on you, Stad Noman, because all your writing in, in, in recent weeks, uh, especially about this issue of corruption. So we will go through the finance section with Ustad Noman in a little bit. And then we also have another guest, Mohamed Ashwetar, a young uh, lawyer based in Canada, who will look at the IHL section. And we will look into the methodology again and everything that was brought up. Ustad Khaled, any opening remarks? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Fernando. Uh, let me, first of all, uh, introduce my, my dear colleague, uh, Ambassador Mustafa Norman. Ambassador Mustafa Norman is the deputy, uh, former deputy foreign minister, and is a very well-known intellectual uh, politician and diplomat of, of caliber, really. And uh, we appreciate always his inputs on on every uh, issues of of domestic affairs and international affairs. Uh, he is. Uh, uh, Critical to the to the to the government to to the legitimacy and to every component in the in the Yemeni society because it's the feeling that our elites failed us and uh, and this is really uh, harming our our sentiment that to see our people devastated and see the country fragmented and there is no intention but to continue this war and 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 and, and to continue the warlords continue living. Uh, uh, from these, uh, the, from the miseries of our people. Um, now, the idea of this um, panel of experts report. The idea, as you know all, it it came in 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 2014, early 2014 in February, when the the Security Council uh, established uh, through resolution 2140 the the the, the sanction regime. The sanction and travel back. So um, uh, this this system was used by the then uh, special envoy to put more pressure on the spoilers so that the process can can be uh, I mean easily uh, progressing in uh, towards the uh, the end of the transition. Uh, then this from from 2014. Uh, when the, the the panel of experts was because this resolution also create creates the the sanction uh, committee within the the security council and the sanction committee invited a group of experts and they created the panel of experts so the panel of experts is within the mandate of the security council but through the the, the work of the this committee and the committee is formed by all member states in the, in the in sitting in the council uh, at, at, the, at, at, the, uh, at the moment. So uh, this Monday, the last Monday that this report, we, we saw the last report of the mandate of resolution uh, 2511. Uh, every year we have the renewal. The renewal will be shortly in, in March 28. For this group, I think there will be no changes to this group. This group will continue working. Uh, and the mandate will push for another year. Now, something um, uh, Fernando just expressed uh, is the the council is, is is the panel of expert work working without the, within the mandate of 20, 2140. Uh, who will decide that? Because twenty one forty has been developed in the process, and in every renewal resolution, you will see the mandate getting 
further developed or progressed or enhanced or getting bigger. So uh, uh, it, uh, that's why you see a lot of components coming in and a lot of ingredients are being cooked and, 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 and worked with. Uh, and one of them, you see, for example, the, the attack uh, and, and investigation on issues related to the government corruption, issues related to the, to the fragmentation of, of, of the legitimacy, because if you see uh, the liberated areas are not controlled by one uh, command and control of the military or command and control of the Minister of Interior. It's now been so many ingredients. You see STC is there, the East Coast is there, and, and people in ties, they have total anarchy and you don't know who is really taking control and what's happening in Marib, uh, a city almost um, under siege, and what's happening in, 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 in Shabwa, what's happening in Shokra, what's happening in Hadramaut, what's happening in Mara. So uh, this is the idea. Uh, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will stop here, but I will, in the process, I will explain to you the sort of challenges we face uh, with, with the reporting. <laughs> and I think it's very healthy. And I was inviting the group to investigate everything. If you are working under the lights of the day, you should not be afraid of any reports. If that, that investigation, uh, investigation is correct, you should implement the recommendation. If it's, it's, it's not correct, so you have the procedure because this report comes to you one month before the, the publishing it. So no one was reacting to it until they saw it and, and I, they, they thought that um, a nuclear bomb was, was, uh, was on. So right. it's nonsense because this is a, a, a member state driven process. So the, right. the, when they publish, they publish in coordination with the government of Yemen right. and step by step they go until they publish it, the final uh, uh, product that you see. Right. No, and it's interesting that, you know, this year and last year, well, this year in July, for example, uh, we saw that the leaks were minimal in 2020, you, you, you know, as opposed to other years uh, where the report is leaked earlier in December. We saw, you know, when when, when uh, the panel dealt with the uh, Iran, with, with the Houthi missile strike in November 2017 in, uh, um, in Riyadh, we saw that all of that information started leaking, 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 you know, so it's something that the panel had to deal with itself. Uh, the five of us had to deal with, you know, uh, being careful with how much information was put out early and, and trying to trace, you know, where the, the leaks were coming from, you know? And so this, the, the interesting part uh, this year is that, as you mentioned, the, the government of Yemen had, had the opportunity to look at this uh, report, you know, the draft, the early draft, early on. Uh, it was drafted by the panel, let's say, at the first week uh, of December, uh, last week of November. And so, you know, when you're moving to translation, submission, translation, uh, small editing, it, it, it's a while. And uh, this year, as you mentioned, the reaction was late from the from, from the government of Yemen. It, it was after the first uh, report by Reuters, which focused on the corruption within CBY. So now that I thank you for that introduction, Ustad Khaled, and now I want to talk to you, talk to our audiences a little bit about how the panel works itself, because what we've seen from a lot of, from every side 
every year we see <laughs> accusations of, you know, um, accusations of, you know, uh, bias from, from the part of the panel or that the panel is shifted by one actor or another into a different in, into a, a direction and you know accusations that members of the panel have their own bias i mean this you know was one of the attacks against me for a couple of years uh it and all of this you know aims to diminish the credibility uh, of of the investigation the findings and the writings by by the panel itself so we have these attacks uh, on on bias and credibility and then we have these other very soft diplomatic uh critiques uh about the methodology so for our audiences that, that may not be too familiar with how this works you know the the five the the panel uh, as Ustad Khaled described uh, uh, within the the UN Security Council resolution, it's a five member panel. It has a, 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 an expert for armed groups, an expert for regional, and these two uh, happen usually to be country experts. From then on, we have an IHL, International Humanitarian Law expert, and a weapons expert, and a finance expert. These three experts uh, are subject matter experts. They're not necessarily, don't have to be familiar with Yemen, don't have to be uh you know, know anything about Yemen, really. They're, they're hired because of their subject matter. And they're consultants. They're not U.S. UN bureaucrats. They're not UN, we're not UN staff. We are hired for a term of 11 months. And, you, you, you know, the next year is not guaranteed. So it's an annual contract. And as Ustad Khaled uh, mentions it all depends on the politics. It all depends on the uh, the per performance. Everything, whether the the individual experts are renewed uh, year after year uh, within the 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 new renewal within the renewal of, of the resolution. So one of the main things is again for me having worked uh, in the panel, it is in fact. You, you know, the panel dynamics, the team dynamics, even though each individual is independent to pursue, you know, their investigations, there, there's no mandate for anyone in the group or even as a group to gear to to direct investigations to this side or to that side. So each one of the five individual experts, you know, based on the information they have, based on their subject matter expertise, looks into the conflict and identifies areas to investigate. And as individuals, each one goes after the investigation, goes after the, the information. Uh, of course, we're supposed to cooperate. We're supposed to provide and facilitate access to information, access to sources. For me, this was one of the major things. I When I was asked to, when I was invited First in 2016, you know, there's an open call uh, online uh, for for experts to apply to every panel on the UN Security Council, and then this happens around December of every year, and between January and March, as Sustar uh, Halit mentions, is when SCAD, the office in 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 New York, starts interviewing, starts looking through CVs, starts interviewing, and starts choosing the best um, 
the best uh, candidates to to interview and then move move forward. I was asked to join uh, late in, uh, I mean, early in 2017, but late in the process uh, around February of 2017. And this was based on, you know, one of their one of their people noticing my writings and and, and and my commentary on Yemen and invited me to apply. So I was honored to to have served for two years as the armed groups expert in 2017 and the regional expert in 2018. For me, it was great because it gave me an opportunity, just like here with Diwan, to exploit my contacts in Yemen. Spent almost you know 17 years at the time in Yemen, knowing people and air across the, the political spectrum. And I I traveled every month. I went everywhere where there was a Yemeni of interest uh, and met with people face to face and asked them, you know, for their insight, for information to 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 help my investigations and my colleagues' investigations as well. You know, it's something that if if I could gather information for another investigation, I would pass on. Problem with the other with with every panel is that again, the subject matter experts don't know Yemen and the issue here. Uh, that creates this uh, image of bias is that they have limited access to sources themselves. They have to rely on other people to provide them information and to provide them access to sources. So if the, you, you know, if the finance section, uh, it's either institutional memory and, 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 and the contacts are passed on to the next uh, finance expert to go and reach out to those, to those sources, wherever they may be. There may be government uh, officials, there may be businessmen, there may be NGOs. It, but he also or she reaches out to different uh, Yemeni actors to request information. And then the problem we have is a lot of people do close the doors. We have to be honest here. You know, there's a lot of people who say, no, 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 I'm not interested. Or, or you know, yes, yes, later. And no, you know, it, it doesn't materialize that access. And that creates very difficult situation for the, for the members of panels. And we have to be honest, and this is my critique, and I will agree with a lot of people. When you're accessing UN agencies for information, this is very myopic. This is very limited. And it, and in itself guides you to one direction because the legacy of UN organizations. And, and, and I'm going to be honest because this, this, this podcast is about real information and being honest. When we look at the history of, of UN agencies in Sanaa or in Aden, who has populated those agencies with staff, with, you, you, you know, in the Ali Abdullah Salah time, it was a very limited amount, uh, group of people that had access to jobs at the UN. And these were political people, you know, from one party or another party. And, you, you know, one of the things that, that I noticed in 2017, for example, I could tell where my, 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 my folks, where my colleagues, my experts were getting their information because of who was criticizing my writing. You, you, you know, so if Islah had a critique of my writing, you know, if I wrote about Islam and everything and the critique of my, my information or my writing or my position on the panel came from Islam, I'm like, well, you need to go somewhere else and start talking to somebody from a different political party so you can get a different view. And, you, you know, when we, when we see the IHL uh, experts, their investigations, I know that they reach out to a lot of people, but not everybody responds. So that in itself limits the direction of the information and the outcome in the writing. So 
from every time I've, I, 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 I've had a conversation with the Southern colleagues, Southern friends, uh, or Islah, or Houthi, or Motamar, and, and I said, you know, if you don't make yourself available to, to the panel of experts, to, to the individual experts, they're never going to write what you want them to write. They're not going to listen to what you have to say because they don't have that information. And one of my critiques in the, in the episode, uh, episode three, where Ali Mahmoud and I went through the panel, you know, was that this report was short, which to me was very, you know, I was very surprised when I saw the length of the text. You know, the text is only 50 pages. Uh, the, it is, the, the report is 200 and some pages, 230 pages, but the, 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 the 190, 180 pages are for uh, annexes. But the text is the report, and that's 50 pages. When it used to be, you know, 80, 90 pages long, uh, you have two IHL experts on the panel. Uh, the armed and, and, uh, and regional uh, positions are in under one person since last year. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk since I was on the panel that there is no need to have two different experts, one for arms and one for regional, that both of these portfolios should be under the country expert. You know, but that 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 the focus should be on finance, weapons, and IHL. That that's what the mandate goes, and that the armed groups and regional only provide context for the conflict. So this is again where we hear about from DOY and other crit critics about the methodology. The methodology is flawed, and they focus on the 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 comp uh, composition of the of the panel. So for me, for this year. I, I understand that the Southerners are, are, are upset, disappointed that other issues were not dealt with in the IHL, such as the kidnapping, the, the, the execution of people during peaceful protests, unarmed people, uh, that there were the panel didn't look into Shebwa, for example, didn't look into uh, the situation in Aden before uh, the clashes uh, last summer in 2020. Uh, that there hasn't been enough focus on Hodeida, for example. There was nothing on Al Jauf, for example, uh, of the operation uh, by Houthis in Al Jauf in, in 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 February, March of 2020. The the taking of the homes, the the the, ex the IDP situation that was created when the Houthis moved into Al Jauf. There's nothing about Sada, the border, for example. Uh, there's nothing about the airstrikes uh, in Hajja and Al Jauf that that hit the uh, civilian homes either, and uh, you 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 know so for me there was a need for another thirty pages, uh, just on from 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 these two sides, and I'm sure that the GOI that the government of Yemen wanted more about the trials themselves that are taking place in, in, in Sana'a by the Houthis. Uh, they're, they're, that, that, that they wanted more to, to hear from the, from, about the Houthis and Taiz. The, the, the panel did an excellent job focusing on Taiz in the schools, you know, the use of schools by, by militia, by military units. That was a great start. But where was the other side too? You know, where, 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 where was the acts by, by the Houthis as well? And, and so... Our audience, Yemenis, need to understand that their their complaints are legitimate. But if the SDC does not reach out to the panel, if the SDC does not make itself available to the panel, their voice is not going to be heard through the panel, 
through through the panel reports. The same thing for the Houthis. The Houthis do not recognize the resolution. They do not recognize resolution 2216. They do not rec recognize resolution 2140. So they don't allow the panel to visit Sana'a. Just uh, when 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 the report came out, uh, Mohammed Ali Al Husi made a statement and said, "We are inviting the members of the of the Security Council to come to to Sanaa to investigate." But the the it's not their role to investigate. The ambassadors don't go anywhere to investigate. It's the panel that's supposed to go into Sanaa and 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 investigate any and have access. When I was in, in the panel, uh, we wanted access to the prisons in Aden. We were not granted access to the prisons in, in, in Aden, but other NGOs were granted access to the, to, to the prisons in, in, in Aden. It's the same thing that we said for Thais. We requested nearly every other month, we requested access to Thais. We were not given access to Thais. We requested access to Mukalla. We were not given access to Mukalla. This 2020 is the first time the panel visits Madib and Mukalla. But still until today has not visited Sana. So for me, I'll slow it down here and, and hand it over to you, Stad Khalid. Um, this is just something that I would want the our audiences and Yemenis on the ground to understand where the, the perceived bias comes from. You, 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 you know, and this is just natural human interaction and the consequence uh, of the conflict itself. I, I think the lack of knowledge is very important. I mean, element to to take into consideration. People really uh, don't know really the the, the, the making of these uh, reports and uh, how it come to 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 be a, a document or or as as I used to to mention it, a very important instrument of of international law when it comes to the Yemeni court. I remember, for example. When, when I was trying to persuade the government on how to use the, 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 the findings of the, the, of the report, you remember during your time, how to use this finding in your favor by, by just, uh, uh, by, by, by campaigning internationally, using UN documents as a proof of the violations of human rights, of, of, of the violations of, of the arm, arm uh, trade, of the violations of, of, of so many things, and uh, and and and, and uh, we look at the report as it's something like we read it only for two days, then we wait for the for the next report. But and the hashtags uh, are good, but the hashtags are good. <laughs> yeah, this is the problem that we never know how to use such uh, instrument of international law or the Security Council, and um, and, and, and and let me just tell you that. Uh, the the, the 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 panel during uh, the work will be sending around 100 uh, notes out with questions and and detail asking for details to every country you can imagine Israel is included Iran is included the report it, has a list the report has a yeah, list yeah, of yeah. all and the it's letters inside, it's, it's it's inside the report the amount of notes out I mean uh, going out from the panel to countries member states asking for cooperation in this and that. For example, Sweden was asked about a device in this report about the device being used and found in, in the drones as a new device that make a, a highly precision uh, targeting of the drones uh, more effective and it's coming from Sweden, a country that is against the wars and talking about democracy and, and the ambassadors is, is really 
bombarding us with, with, with values and all this stuff. And their companies are selling Iran and selling the Houthis. Uh, those components, Germany, I mean, I name it, and you will have thousands and thousands of countries that they should be responsible member states. Uh, this is one. The second, we cannot blame the, 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 the panel. The panel is working within the mandate of a, a, com a committee, and the committee is working within the mandate of Secu the Security Council. What they do, they work with member states. With Yemen, they, they start uh, slowly, slowly leaking the findings to the government of Yemen, step by step. We found this and this and this. And, and, the, and the government of Yemen, will, you will see that the reaction will be blocking access and not cooperating. And I thought that the best way is just open access. If you said that you are having all the legitimacy, you don't have to hide things. Open your doors and work with the international community, especially that 22-16 and, and 21-40 is your uh, instrument in, in the struggle to regain statehood. Uh, this is really alarming. And I, I want to clarify a thing. Those who think that this, this finding just came out of nowhere, the coalition countries, member states, are approving the, the, the report. This report, through the, the Arab representative in the council, which is Tunisia at this time, will, will start talking to the coalition, to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, to the United Arab Emirates, and, and Fernando understand that, before going even to the, to the approval, final approval. So every finding in this report was coordinated with Russia, with the P5, with China, with the, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, with United Arab Emirates, with other, other countries. They have access. Any country with interest in right. the report will have access to the report and to the right. file. Well, Ustad Khaled, if, if, if I may, if I may inter interject here uh, really quick, you know, that I didn't mention, but when the panel goes to New York for induction to, to, to sign our paperwork, it's a sign that, that we're hired and everything and, and, and do the whole UN meetings. We spend a week meeting with anybody, any of the missions available in New York. So we reach out to all 15 members of the UN Security Council, which are the members of, of the committee, uh, of, the, of the UN Security Council committee. But we also reach out to GOI and we reach out to the coalition members. So, you, you, you know, we spend a week running from, from one mission to another, to another, to another, to another, you know, for four or five days, meeting with everyone face to face with the ambassadors and asking them, we're here, whatever you have, we're here, we're receptive, we, we, we need help, we need access, you know, you, you, you know um, and, and often a lot of members of the committee just don't even meet with us. There's no interest. You, we don't need a meeting. There, it, go ahead. Thank you. Congratulations. Let's move on. During the year, it's the same thing. As you mentioned, not just the letters. If you look at the report, there's a page detailing all the letters, all the countries sent, how many letters, and who responded and who didn't. And usually 80% didn't respond. And this is not a letter just to say how we're doing, how are you, but this is for specific information. You know, this is, we're asking like in Sweden, you, you, you know, can you please tell us where, who sells this and why is this allowed? You know, or China, the same thing with the drones. With, with, there was a recommendation a while back about off-the-shelf drones to, be cast, to, to fall now into a special category for exports in order to avoid these things. That was three years ago. 
you, you, you know, and something that you mentioned is if we ask uh, GOI for, for information, the door closes. It, it's as if there was a memo sent out throughout, you, you know, up and down horizontally, you know, don't talk to the panel about this. And so we don't have information. You're right. Also, I need to, to, to express something very important. I mean, I ask the government, ask everyone who is willing to, to understand international mechanisms and, and, and tools of the international law to read again and again this report, not only to read the introduction. Read the report from, from page one to page uh, uh, 80 or 100 or 260. The, the, the annexes to this report are, are very important to see, for example, how much work is being done, how a precisely good investigation when it comes to, for example, the, 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 the transfer of arms to the Houthis. It's huge. And, 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 and one of these things, if you allow me, I will go just, I mean, I'll try to be uh, concise on, on talking about few of the findings that I consider very important. For example, the amount of information in the report on the arms transfer to the Houthis in violation of the targeted armed embargo and 2216, uh, Article 1 and 6, is really huge. And you see, for example, that, that the warlords are present everywhere. Every piece of technological, uh, and, uh, every piece of the drones, especially the, the motor and, 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 and the developed one, because they started with nothing. Now they have a very sophisticated uh, engine with, 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 that goes with, with, the, the, with the satellite. And, 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 and it's coming through liberated areas. It's coming from Al-Mahra. Uh, some parts of the report will talk about Oman. Some parts will talk about uh, handing in, the, in, in Nashtun and uh, uh, seaport. And it goes all the way in front of all the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the policing and the security and NSP and, and political security of, of Yemen. And it goes all the way handling handing it to Sarwah through Sarwah to Sana'a. Everything the, 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 the Houthis need to make the life of civilians in, in Yemen and the, the southern part of Saudi Arabia, it's coming through liberated areas. The warlords have a huge role in, 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 in profiting from the miseries of our people and from, by, 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 by keeping this war going on. This is very important. The second, uh issue is that the report we, we because we are not following everything will will keep loose because you see you see the midterm report uh, although it was not published but the, its findings goes into this report i mean i mean it's it's all a one year job yes the the the, the mandate is coming the 28th of march every year and it's shortened the, the, the mandate or the first report that it should go in June, it should go out in June. Because this report, for example, it covers the timing, exact timing from January 1st to December 5th, 5th. So they should hand it, as, as Fernando explained, it's translation, the approval and discussion, all this stuff of member states. And on the 22nd of January, it was approved by the, by the, by the, um, uh, 
by the committee. So this is very important to know also that one of these big findings of the report, and it's coming for the last three years, it's not something new, uh, is the fragmentation of the central government, the fragmentation of the legitimacy, uh, what they call it deliberated areas. And you see that now it's what's happening in Tahiz is a phenomenon. What's happening of, on, on control in, uh, over the West Coast is another phenomenon. It's totally illuminated. Can you tell me, uh, Tariq, is Tariq part of the legitimacy? I'll say yes, part of the legitimacy. Why Tariq is not responding to the command and control of the Ministry of Defense of the Ministry of Interior? Why Tariq is not a commander within the forces of the, of the legitimacy? So this is happening with STC. I said the only way, the only way I should recognize, and it says in the, in the, in the report, STC found refuge Within the within the Riyadh agreement to be recognized, although they are the same, I mean, in approach, in in interoperability, in in every every detail, it's like the Houthi movement. Why I should not see? And this is the report saying I'm not saying that. The report says that STC and the Houthis are in in violation of 2216. Not me. So. But because of the Riyadh agreement, they are part and parcel of the legitimacy. And we are asking them, and this is what I, I did a few days ago with, the, with the, uh, Fernando. I was talking to the representative of the STC. I said, you are part of the legitimacy. You should act as one, but not, act, not at the same time you are preparing to, to attack the legitimacy and using all the recognition of, of, of the legitimacy given by the Riyadh agreement. So the also, and, and the report is, is finding something interesting, but it's the beginning of that. It's, it started to work with the warlords within the Houthi. The Houthis are, are, are all fiefdoms, you know, or all like small kingdoms that are working in, in separation, but they have common interests to stick to, get to each other. Now, now we see Muhammad Ali Houthi is a warlord. We see Ahmed Hamid, the, the, the one who is now the... the I don't know who is the, the chief of the presidency, and Abdul Abdul Karim Al Al Houthi. There are three uh, trying to pull uh, the, the the center of power towards them. So, uh, and the, the 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 issue of the, uh, the 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 attacks on civilians by the Houthis uh, and attacks of of the Saudis is it's, it's precising and. Uh, all the, the, the methods they use, not only the drones, not only the missiles, now they are developing something very interesting. If you see in the Red Sea, they are now using improvised but experimental uh, speedy boats. It's, 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 it's uh, the boats that we use in the area, but they try to launch it. They have now uh, the, the boat from, uh, I think they, 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 they brought it from, from Iran, uh, it's a device that will will lead the boat to its through satellite. Also, it will bring it to to Jeddah. And now they are in, trying and trying, and, uh, and 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 it's getting more results by attacking. Um, um, I mean, I mean, international uh, civilian shipping in the in the southern part of the Red Sea, as far as Jeddah seaport, and it's very dangerous because, uh, and and if you know. It's huge, and also uh, the findings of the group in detailing the, the joint declaration and how 
uh, how if we don't understand the joint declaration, we can end up having huge mistakes. It's something also we need to study. Uh, the, the most important issue is that the report started to look into the warlords in the liberated areas, and I really congratulate them. And the government also should congratulate them because what they are doing is helping Yemen to keep together and to right. stick together and finally achieve the goal of defeating the Houthis through negotiation. I'm not, right. I'm not willing to talk about war because war will not take us anywhere. War is the language of warlords. And if we want to reach peace, we can only reach peace through uh, negotiation. Right, Ustad. Uh, thank you very much. I think that was detailed enough and, and, and tons of information. And thank you for highlighting all of this. I know Ustad Noman has been very patient. I just want to make a couple of comments uh, with regards to Ustad Khaled. Um, one thing to remember, to, to remind uh, our audiences and everyone, as you mentioned, Ustad Khaled, these are not new investigations. You know, a lot of the weapons investigations that we, a lot of the writing on the weapons section from this year, from 2021, started in 2018, such as the batteries from Germany and the, the transfers, they, uh, the uh, transfer of small components from Greece, from Malaysia. And as you mentioned, a lot of these countries uh, stopped the cooperation uh, because they don't want the panel to push the envelope and go further on this because this creates an international precedent, you know? So we have to keep in mind that there's like other 14 <laughs> panels uh, working, uh, which then could grab onto these presidents and then start pushing these member states on, on information. Um, one, one of the other things is uh, it is interesting that you notice that you noted that in July, I, I, I commented the panel could have made Big recommendations that we can't access, you, you, you know this, on sanctions, on individuals. And that it is interesting on how the U.S. sanctioned those five individuals, those five security individuals in, in early December of 2020, the Houthi, you know, which, in my opinion, came from the July investigations, from the report in July investigations. You know, uh, the, the U.S. FTO listing was only on three individuals, which are already sanctioned since 2015 by the U.S. So that was nothing new. But the sanctions on the five individuals, like Abdul Karim, like uh, uh, the the director of security in Sanaa, etc., yeah, that could have come. That that came from IHL investigations uh, on the panel. Uh, lastly, this boat uh, drones again investigations since 2018 when the when when the first boats came out. Uh, if you recall, uh, Nikki Haley had a, the 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 show the showcase on on Houthi Iranian cooperation and weapons, and, and the the black box you know that was uh, contained by by the Emiratis. The failure here was that the Emiratis gave access to to a contractor to a private company to a private consulting company instead of giving first access to the panel. So the credibility on all of that you know diminished by because of the the chain of custody um but you 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 know people ask how are houthis getting these sophisticated components and everything the panel for a long time has been wanting to highlight the mercy flights for a long time the, the panel has been wanting to highlight the transfer the flights from muscat from from omani territory into sanaa and has been blocked or has been discouraged from writing and pursuing uh these investigations so now the panel finally in 2021 mentions the role of mercy flights 
which are flights used by Houthis to transfer uh, injured people uh, outside of the country or, or, or bring in diplomats to, to, from delegations. But this is the way that the new Iranian ambassador came to Sana'a. But uh, Ustad Noman, uh, thank you very much for your patience. And I know you were taking, you've been taking tons of notes over here from what we've been, you know, chatting about. But um, your initial uh, reaction to all of this, and 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 what do you think of these investigations into corruption, both, you know, GOI and the Houthis? Well, first, I'm thankful to Khaled for his. Uh, what he said, I mean, the detail that I didn't know. I didn't know how that, I, 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 to be honest, I was not interested in, uh, or didn't know how the, the panel is picked and the, how the panel works and how the panel puts its report. So I, I was not, I, it, it's much more technical detail that Khaled was involved in when he was at the UN and even prior to that when he was uh, the head of the minister's cabinet in Sana'a. So uh, I, I really benefited from uh, what he said. I, I, I'm not going, I, uh, first of all, I want to say that we all know this is not the first uh, report. And then the question that will jump and that why was, were people so, I would say, angry from one side or interested in knowing what's happening really in the report? I mean, that was not, because we have read reports in 2019, 2018, 2017, and they just passed. But why is this one particularly was of interest to uh, Yemenis who, are, who follow the issue? Uh, we have to know to understand one of the dynamics of uh, the uh, Yemeni politics in the past two years. Uh, as uh, Khaled mentioned, there is a fragmented authority even within the cabinet itself. And as he mentioned in his last part of, the, uh, of his uh, statement, uh, the STC, let's take it as one, one side of the matter. The STC uh, is theoretically part of the legitimacy, but in practice, in reality, they are not, and they say it. And to give you an, an just a very blunt uh, example, the governor of Sana'a, uh, sorry, the governor of Aden, who was appointed by the legitimacy and the president, was in Moscow with the SCC delegation. So we should now understand that there is no one legitimate entity. The only entity, in my view, and that has been saying this for years now, is the 2216. That's, I mean, this is the lifeline of the government. It has nothing to, to support it on the ground except 2216. And this is why they are grasping it by their own fingers and toes. And of course, the, uh, they are much needed, needed by the coalition as an umbrella to the war that started in 2015. So, understanding this dynamic within the government, that will lead us to uh, the, the noise that has come up with this, uh, with this report, and especially on the CBY. I mean, people, by the way, people were not very much like looking into how arms were smuggled or uh, the authority on the ground, why isn't it uh, one authority? Because we all know it. I mean, we know why, and we know that 
as Khaled mentioned, the smuggling is, I mean, is a highly sophisticated, uh, sophisticated work in Yemen and profession since years. Even during Saleh, when there was one authority on the ground, smuggling was something that everybody was complaining about. The U.S. was complaining, the U.N. was complaining, the uh, Brits were complaining, and we know so many stories about it. But then, why was this report taking all this noise and all this attention within Yemenis about, and specifically about CB1? Because there is a political rivalry between two parties of the government, and specifically the two former governors of CBY. Each one of them believes that he is more capable, more honest, more efficient, more professional to lead the CBY. And this has started when the CBY moved from Sana'a to Aden in 2016, if I'm not wrong. Maybe, yeah, I think it was 2016. And uh, I was against it, not because I know about finances, but because I talked to those who know finance, who know bank, who know banking. And they said it at the time that the, the, uh, the administration is not yet ready in Aden to come up with, uh, with I mean, to, be, to, to function as a CBY. And we all know that it, it kept working from Riyadh. The CBY governor was in Riyadh, the deputy CBY in Riyadh, the, uh, the uh, member of the board were in Riyadh. So it was a w- very weird situation where you have a CBY, not, uh, the one in Sana'a is delegitimized. There is no one working in Aden. And then it was only the guys in Riyadh who were uh, taking. And uh, just an anecdote about, I mean, Khaled, I'm sure he followed it, about the salaries. Of the, of the governor and the CBY deputy governor. They are the, the most highly paid governors of any central bank on earth. While the bank is bankrupt. So, I mean, and, and that, I, I issued, I put that on a, twi- on a tweet, I think it was 2017. I said it was, how can we understand it? So the, the breed of corruption is within the CBY. They cannot deny it. They know it. They, everybody knows. And this is why the noise was so loud from both sides, both former governors and uh, who tried to just, each one of them is coming up now with videos, with infographs, uh, accusing the other side. So it's becoming like uh, a black comedy now. And it's just like, I mean, both, we, we, we know, we, we all know that they are both corrupt. I mean, I'm right. talking about the citizen. So, I mean, putting this information to the public is just like, it, it's fun. Yeah. And so we just like follow, and we love it. I mean, because we will know more details. We will know what's, what really happened. Because every one of them is going to try to put, I mean, his self-defense uh, papers to us. Right. So they will go. Now, the... Uh, that the government, and very, very weird that the government, buy, and this is something that I discovered lately, a couple of days ago, by the law of the CBY, the CBY board, of, uh, uh, board should present a periodical report to the government every three months about their operations. That hasn't happened. So who's to be blamed here? I would blame the government 
who's not who has not put its i mean authority into operation and us seeking the uh, the central bank about their report secondly none and and i reiterate this none neither the governor nor the deputy governors of the central bank have any experience in banking they don't know what's banking I mean, they were just appointed because one of the friend of a friend, and that's okay. He's we can trust this guy, so we just. This is a central bank. I mean, it's 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 very very. I mean, this is the most I think the most critical establishment institution. It's the backbone of the government of the of the country. So if you start uh, playing with the central bank, then you will see so many. Uh, acts of corruption that will follow. And that was, was uncovered by the uh, the last report. The figures are, I mean, I, I would say, I would not say phenomenal as Khaled said, it's, uh, it's sad, it's very sad that in a country that's bankrupt, poor, in a war, and impoverished people, and they suck $2 billion, that cannot, I, it's, as I said, it's, it's just saddening. I mean, okay, we know that corruption was in Yemen all, all over the years. But to reach that extent in a period of war, this is a crime. This is a war crime. It's, it's exactly like bombing people. It has no, it, it, it's not different. I mean, you are taking the, and it's not a grant. It's, people should understand, it's a loan. The $2 billion, people think that the Saudis, just supported Yemen with $2 billion that it, it's a loan. So I don't know how, and nobody knows how, how what is the value of our loans now. Now, the, uh, the government, like, in two, I think it's two days ago when they uh, picked Ernest and Young to be the new auditor. And we know what's Ernest and Young, and we know its reputation. It's an irreputed company. And we know what happened with them in Singapore. I think it, it's crazy. I mean, we know their, their problem with Enron. We know their problem in Singapore. How dare you pick that specific company? And I tweeted about it two days ago. And I said, I can't understand that. I mean, from all the firms on earth, you go to Ernest & Young. I'm not saying that Ernest & Young is bad. But if you come with an irreputed company firm, to audit an ill-reputed government. That will not make people happy. That will not make people like satisfied. They will always keep suspicious about why, what is the government covering? Why are they, what are they hiding? Optics matter. I mean, I keep repeating yeah. this in almost every episode of, of, our, of our, our podcast that optics yeah. matter and the timing of these things sure. matters. Yeah. So this and one point now uh, that uh, Khaled rightly mentioned about the, this fragmentation within the government. The SCCI mentioned, I don't believe that they sincerely believe that they are part of the legitimacy. The whole, as they always, okay, now they get into the government because of the leverage and the pressure that were put on them over one year to go and get some it, ministry. It's a non-state actor. It's a non-state actor that still that refuses to register as a political moment, party. Until this moment, the second non-state actor, in my view, is Tariq. Okay, Tariq might claim that he is fighting the Houthis, but he has never 
approved Hadi or gave him his consent as the commander-in-chief of the army. He did not. And we see him putting these, I don't know, the ranks on his shoulders. And, but it's like funny. I mean, the government, the, the authority has just like, it's not even divided, it's fragmented. It's just like everybody's having part of the country and they do whatever they want. We lately know about what's happening in Shabwa, about the port that has been inaugurated. And the Minister of Transport, because he, he's, because he is from the STC, he refused to give them any permits to, uh, to receive ships. So this is, again, another, another uh, point of how, how fragmented is the authority. The, uh, the government has always been, uh, over the years, and Khalid, remember, when we worked together in the ministry. I mean, giving, we used to receive reports or accusations from here and there, and we used to hide. I mean, we know that. I mean, just like <laughs> sometimes it was the late President Saleh and in so many incidents that he would like to uncover them. And we know that, especially when it was talking about the AQ and we we're talking about the yes, smuggling part to Saudi Arabia or drug smuggling. We, we used to, we did not, I mean, we were just employees. I mean, we did not have information, but we were told that the whatever we receive from the Americans or the UN or the uh, EU is not right. So, and it was always, uh, we are targeted. I mean, Yemen is being targeted by the whole world over the years. I don't know for what reason, but that's what, this is what they used to say in the Ministry of Information. And they, and they just said about this report, they saw this, and I, I because I follow the, so many friends, I mean, they are from different factions, and they claim it's like, now they are targeting the legitimate, legitimate government because there is a preparation that are preparing to amend the 2216. So they believe, and, this, and the report itself mentioned 2216 and mentioned that they, they did not really do it explicitly, but they said, that there might that there are actors that were not included in 2216. So if you want to include these non-state actors in 2216, then that's a new amendment, and that will open the door wide right. to who are because 2216 was talking about our militias. So now, if you take, if you talk about the SCC, they have their own army. If you talk about right. part of the actors' own army, so. That's another fear why the government is so uh, concerned, worried. What? Because 2216, as I said at the beginning, is their own lifeline. Yeah. This is where they stand. This is the pillar. They have, they have no, and because they were not able to gain credibility within the population in the liberated area. They have not done anything. I, I was talking to a friend today in Aden, and the power cuts have come back. Yeah. They started for longer hours. I mean, they were so happy for a month that it was just an hour or two a day. Now it's getting longer and longer because there is no more uh, diesel or I don't know what fuel they use. So <clears throat> I think one of the, uh, what the panel should have done is what our dear friend and an expert Khalid has said, we should have, they should tell them, I mean, the, the panel should tell people how they function. 
And because this the government is blaming the, and they, I heard it even from some of the businessmen who were mentioned in the report. One of them came and said, hey, they called the UN and the UN told them, no, these guys are not uh, related to us. We are just hiring them. So don't blame us. So now even the UN, I'm saying this I'm, yeah. and they heard it. I yeah, but you, are- yeah, I mean, you, when, you, when you look at the finance section in previous, in previous panels, uh, reports, uh, Ustad Noman, a lot of the information comes from from companies like this. I mean, I mean, the information about the grain silos in Hodeida, about import exports in Aden, about Mukalla, all of this comes from Yemeni companies yeah. like them. It, it, it's it's not just grabbed from 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 thin air, you know. I don't know. I understand this, but the point is that this business this business entity is like because business community lives by reputation. If the reputation is tarnished, and uh, we know, I mean, Khaled knows as well as I do know, and maybe you know, the Hal Saeed group, as an example, because they were mentioned as the largest benefactor, I mean, beneficiary of the uh, of the two billion dollars of uh, of the Saudis, the Saudi deposit, or the two billion, uh, two billion. So they, and I talked to some of their. Uh, Sure, I mean executives, and they they are worried. They are very much worried that uh, the reputation is at stake because how can they justify being involved in corruption and money laundering, which is even worse? I mean, because we know that, I, and I have an example in Spain. I have an account for where I have like eight thousand euros. It took me a year to unfreeze it. To justify that I had eight thousand dollars, <laughs> so just like so, imagine a company with billions in their accounts. So they are very much concerned because they were they believe that they were targeted, and they believe that one of the former governors of the Central Bank of Yemen leaked and misinformed the uh, the uh, the panel by giving them. Uh, and Khal Said is the largest corporation in Yemen to begin with, right? I mean, it's the most yeah, active, no, no. it's the biggest. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, the figure is, I mean, if it were if it were not normal times, the figure is is okay. I mean, nobody would say anything. But because the money is not Yemen, I mean, it's a loan first, and secondly, because it was tarnished by accusations of corruption and money laundering. That for them is damaging. I mean, not in Yemen, externally, because you know, and everybody knows that banks in the West, everywhere on earth now, they they are really very sensitive to these accusations of money laundering. It's it's just like uh, they tremble, they shake. I mean, banks, even if it's a thousand dollars. Right. And that's the thing that that, that's the interesting thing that for the first that the panel used that language for the first time in a very long time, even though other actors, you know, are are included, have been included in such activities. I mean, the Hal Saeed is not the only company that has done this, but it has been more. It it looks more like what you're saying right now about accusations. It looks more like people that didn't get their share are jumping on Hal Saeed because they didn't get their share. No, to be very honest, I think it's the, uh, look, I mean, there is a fight, there is a feud 
within the government between two branches of, not branches, between two clans within the government. Okay, it's political rivalry plus financial uh, competition from one side, and it's opposed by the same group from the other side. I don't want to uh, name anybody here, but we all know them, that the, the fight is there. And this is where the, the, the war of leaks is happening. Now, the, one of the former governors of the central bank, Mohammed Zimam, uh, I remember when he was first appointed and I talked to him about his salary. I said, this is not acceptable. A, a Yemeni central bank governor, goes, his salary raises from $5,000 a month to $40,000 a month. This is unprecedented on earth. The second, and he kept promising me that he will decrease, not decrease, but he will go back to the basic salary that was paid to Mohammed bin Hamam and his predecessors. And it never happened. Now, Mohammed, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy who came, uh, Hafiz Ma'yad, kept saying that he is going to call an auditing company to look into the books of the central bank, and nothing happened. And we know in Yemen, by experience, by, I mean, we know it by history, right. that uh, these, these reports <laughs> will never see the light. Even this auditing company, I don't believe people will ever believe whatever report they come up with. Ustad, you brought up a couple of things that I that that I kind of want to shed light on and, and and expand on before we get to our friend Mohammed Shuaitar, who just joined us. Um, you know, this fight is seen across the cabinet, right? A fight over the territorial fight over these financial institutions. You know, uh, and, and before it was Islah and then Motamar. Now you have Islah, Motamar, and STC fighting for these. It's like the 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 appointment of these cabinets is is basically, you know, who's going to get a position that handles a budget that is significant, not just politically, you know, in, in image-wise, you know, I fixed 10 roads instead of the guy before me fixing only five roads kind of thing. But you, you do see this fight for financial institutions. And, and, and we saw how the cabinet, because of the Riyadh agreement, went from 35 post positions to 25, including the prime minister. You know, this... To, I've been an advocate of, of, of such a, a, a move for a long time, but for the another reason, and that's for cutting the budget, not for consolidating, you yeah. know, the, the this practices of, of corruption. You know, if you there's no need for a minister of tourism. I mean, you can create an agency or what have you. But you know, Ustad Noman, uh, I, I, I need I need to 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 make please a, a brief uh, comment before we we pass it to Noman if it's if that's possible. Yeah. Sure. Just let me bring this up. This quick comment is that we just we are 10 years from the Arab Spring, correct? We are 10 years this week from the Arab Spring. And the same issues of 2010 yeah. are happening back. today, just with different faces yeah. on it. Yeah. Right? So it's uh, we did we recorded a, a, a program, an episode about the Arab Spring and what you, you, you know, what's happened and, and, and where Yemen is today. But I mean, where are we going with this? Where is the reform? Where is the process? The economy, you know, there's too much focus on the conflict and no focus on the economy. People's only alternative is to join a militia, to join a, uh, the army. And, and to, to, to your comment about 2216, you know, security belt, when they were formed, they were a militia. 
Then the president and the cabinet came on and said, no, 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 no. They are within the Ministry of Interior. Then during the first clashes in, in Aden between security belt and, and the presidential protection or the army, <laughs> then they went and said, these are militia. <laughs> these, these are going these are outside of the ministry of interior with with, with minister uh what, what, what was his name the the, the recent former minister um that 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 label security forces and elite forces uh militia yeah but, so yeah. please uh, <laughs> let me just um try to streamline uh some elements 90% of the report is in the in favor of the government, in yeah. favor of the legitimacy. Yeah. And I don't know why you should be upset. But because you don't know how to use, how to utilize such a very important and, 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 and strong element of international law and the endorsement of the council, you fail to, to use it. So you blame that it's, it's the, the lack of methodology and all this stuff. This is one. And I need also to underline that please look into the Somalia effect. Somalia warlords took the country for a long time. And this is what we are doing in Yemen by, by not enforcing. Start. <laughs> Sorry, you start. Continue. Sorry for cutting you okay. off. Okay, this is what I'm, 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 I, was, I was saying, just that 90% of the entire report is in favor of the government. Why we should be upset with the 10% that will criticize? We should look into that as something to stream, streamlining our efforts to work with the government, to enhance the, 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 the presence of, of the government of the people of Yemen. This is very important. And I, I call upon everyone when reading such reports to think about Somalia. Warlords took Somalia to a total devastation, fragmentation, and, 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 and misery. And, and, and if you want to go that path, it's much easier. If we keep saying that, no, 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 we, we give priority to the, to the war, we will continue warring, we will defeat them. The report said that the government of Yemen lost all its uh, superiority in, on the on the ground, the the, the Houthis are now in, on on the doors of Marib, and yesterday you remember what happened. They are they keep trying to yeah. to to break Marib, and the Houthis are close to Aden, and the Houthis are in 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 everywhere, and they are recovering that. I mean, Drahimi, Drahimi was our I mean small spot that we used to put the government close to Hodeida, because it's all, it was only a few minutes from, from the city. Now, Durahimi was taken back. Come on, you're still thinking that war will bring about the victory. What victory? Houthis can be easily defeated on, in politics because they don't have any knowledge of police, uh, politics. They are really warlords coming. I mean, they are, uh, they are militias coming out of the, of the jungle. And what, what they all know is fighting. They know how to use arms and they will keep defeating you. Uh, if you want to go to the path of Somalia, it's so right. uh, I want everybody to read the reports of Somalia. If the Security Council, there is a panel that right. worked for quite a long time in Somalia. Ustad right. Khaled, if I may, Ustad uh, Noman might have to leave us uh, at the moment. We really appreciate uh, you being with us. Final. 
a final word before I go? Definitely, definitely. No, I'm, 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 I was really happy to participate, but unfortunately, I thought it was just one, one hour. But, but I'm, and I'm happy to see Muhammad. He's the son of Abdul Daim. Uh, no, he's my uncle. I'm son of Abdul Daim. Okay. Okay. Pleasure to meet you. Okay. Yalla, good Most luck. Khaled. We'll keep in touch. All Thank you very much, Ustad. Take care. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. So, Bye -bye. One, one, one last comment, please. That uh, I think the government present in Aden is a challenging moment. And it's very important. If they want to continue the, the, the struggle for peace, they should stay in their country on the ground. And this will help. Uh, uh, gather all the international support, all the international presence in Aden, and, and, and as you mentioned yesterday, the presence of the international community in Aden was our old attempt to bring international community to Aden and work together. And uh, um, one of the recommendations of the report, I will end here, uh, you know that the panel should go to Aden to investigate the, the CBI um, uh, I don't know the airport uh, incident of the December 30th, uh, and 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 because of the Corona limitations, the panel couldn't visit Aden, but they will do that. And I think it's very important for the government to work overtly and be cooperative with the panel. This is very important. And right. one last comment: the, the the one of the very important recommendations of the report, if you see in the last pages saying about the need to reinvigorate the Coast Guard. It's very important that the absence of the Coast Guard in Yemen is giving the warlords and giving the smugglers all these chances to work and, and use Yemen uh, territorial and, and seaports, and also they are creating new seaports. Warlords are looking how to get Yemen into shanks of fiefdoms where they can just absorb every every small drop of water, every small piece of life, and and convert it into dollars and invest it in their their own accounts. Right. Ustad, good 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 night, Ustad Noman. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good night, good night. Pleasure meeting you. Oh, Ustad Khalid, one a couple of points. I mean, you know. One of the things I, I I got tons of messages from people asking me about the uh, about the panel after the, the initial reports came out and, and right before the visit uh, from the panel last week, and what the the first thing I told them is the the report is done. There's nothing you can do about it. It can't be changed. Don't expect that. Don't 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 think that because if you call the, the panel and you go to New York and you visit and you talk to them that there's going to be some sort of rewriting or editing. The panel, the report is done. It's done. It's done. You, you can't change it. And, and this whole thing, you know, about the visit last week, I, I told them it's just a courtesy visit. There is nothing to investigate in Aden. The, the 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 scene is contaminated from day one. They cleaned up and they put everything away on day one. There is nothing for, for of chain of custody. You know, we saw the, the the government of Yemen, the Ministry of Interior, give this presentation with the fragments and and, and um, pointing to the Houthis and everything. The 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 UN panel can no longer use that as evidence because it's been contaminated. They were not recovered from the the, the ground. If you go to the airport, the airport was cleaned the night of December thirtieth because everybody wanted to start operating the next day. 
I mean, there were no international investigators. There was no nothing. I mean, we did uh, myself and, and and two two people on 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 Twitter. You know, we did these the this graphics uh, based on you 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 know geolocating the videos and the path of the uh, of the of the missiles where it's clear where they came from beyond uh, Taif, right? Which is Houthi held territory. But we're not investigators. We're not professionals. We're somebody needed to access that scene that very same day and it didn't happen and and and, um, and, the, and 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 I told them you know you need to start thinking about April 2021 when your relationship with the panel because this report is finished it's done there's nothing you can do my last point to to your issue of the coast guard we know that again this is a money pit there's so many people fighting within the government over the Coast Guard. You know, is it in Mokala, is it in Aden? Uh, do the Brits do the training? Do the Americans do the training? Do the Germans do the training? You know, who's bidding? Who's paying? It's a mess uh, as well with the Coast Guard. Uh, now we want to move on to our last section, our second section with the IHL, with my, my good friend, uh, Mohamed Shuetar, coming joining us from Ontario. Good afternoon, Mohamed. Good afternoon, Fernando. Thank you for having me. And sorry for uh, I couldn't join before I had a uh, another um, no meeting. No worries. Yeah. Mohammed is, is is a lawyer. He's a expert in uh, in, in law uh, affairs, legal affairs, and he's here to help us understand the IHL portion of the of the UN panel of experts report. Uh, Ustad Khaled, you want to make some comments regarding this section? Uh, no, I, I really, I'm, 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 I'm waiting to hear from uh, Schweter. I think it's very important to bring young people with with fresh uh, views on on what's happening uh, in, in in Yemen, what's happening in the UN reporting. I think uh, our young generation will be uh, contributing to the building peace building in Yemen, and they will uh, shoulder the, the 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 heavy part of of everything we are already facing out. And, and, and age cannot, I mean, uh, have but, but this logic. And we, I welcome, and I'm here, I'm, even though I'm, I'm really, uh, I have another commitment, but I will be listening to, to Shweta because it's interesting to hear uh, from him. Thank you. It's Stad. my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Mohammed. Uh, so yeah. let's, let's jump right in. Um, I'm a critic. I've been a critic of the, the last two reports with the IHL portions because I think they should have been more detailed. They should have been expanded. There's so much to investigate. There's so much that's missing. Um, as, as we mentioned from the beginning uh, of this episode, this report is about 30 pages short of the usual other uh, panel reports. The panel did a great job in ties, looking at ties and the use of schools. Did an excellent job. But we we don't see the other side, right? We don't see the Ansarullah, the Houthi side in, in, in Taiz. We don't see anything of what's going on in Hodeida. We don't see anything of what, what's going on in Ib, for example. Uh, we don't know, we, we don't read about Al-Baida or Shabwa, uh, Al-Baida or Marib, the border area. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't read anything about what started, uh, what, what sparked the, the, the war in Baida, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, against mm -hmm. uh, in Radman, uh, against uh, Sheikh uh, Yasser al-Awadi that then turned into a counterterrorism uh, operation into a Khaifa and, and into southern Marib. Uh, we don't read anything about the shelling in, uh, in Zala either. So while the investigations that they did conduct 
were great, were detailed, you, you, you know, um, there's so much missing and I want to know why it's missing. But before we get into that, I do want to ask your question about what is in the report, your opinion uh, on what, what you see, what you read in the report from, from an expert's point of view. Thank you, uh, Fernando. Uh, first of all, before answering these questions, uh, the, I, I want to bring a note because it's led to a lot of misunderstanding of the, the IHL uh, mandate. Uh, they confuse the IHL with the general international law. So when, pe when people listen for international, uh, for the violations of international uh, humanitarian law, which is law of, of, of war, they confuse it with the right to war. And that's when uh, people start, uh, uh, they don't want to hear about the, the report because they see, oh, it's in the favor of one party to the another. So it's important to distinguish between the right to war just at Belo, uh, at Belo and just in Belo, which is uh, the, the IHL, the, the, the law of war. So the, uh, the, the situation of which has the right or which has wrong, I mean, it doesn't matter of IHL. IHL only concerned about the violations of the uh, the human right, the international humanitarian law. The conduct doesn't has nothing to do with uh, who has the right to wage the war. Though it's clearly that's uh, it's from from day one. The UN has clearly uh, said that the uh, it's an it's non international armed conflict, mean, meaning that the state uh, is in the position and other keeping the all reports mentioning them as non-state actors. So, I mean, the reports covering two sides, the IHL and the international law um, in, in, in both. Uh, back at your question, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mentioned this because it's important to realize the difference between IHL as part of the international law but it doesn't cover uh, who has right and who's wrong, who's the de facto and who's the the de jure uh, uh, entity or authority. Um, so back to your question, uh, yes, why the, the, the report was couldn't cover a lot of uh, uh, violations or incidents in Baida and Hudaida and a lot of things. And I guess uh, it's um, this question should be addressed by the panel why they couldn't. Uh, cover the 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 incident uh, in uh, only in small part of Yemen. Um, uh, back to the question, which is uh, sorry, I uh, the question, uh, Fernando, are you here? I'm here. No, no, no. Uh, my my question was just, you know, on what you what you read, what what caught your eye yeah. from the from from the yeah. panel report. What, <laughs> What caught my eye, I mean, um, interests me that the, the, the panel, the report become more louder and explicit on the, uh, on those who violated, violated the international humanitarian law, who violating the international law, um, naming the, uh, naming the people, individuals and entities. They mentioned the, the government, they mentioned the United Arab Emirates, they mentioned uh, the STC, they mentioned, uh, I mean, in specific names, and uh, it's become more louder and explicit calling the UN Security Council to consider a, a, a panel or a, a, um, a penalty or a, 
uh, a tribunal for these violations. That it's uh, for me. I see. I see the the report is more explicit uh, than the the UN envoy statements and diplomacy. So the UN envoy uh, he worked as a as a as a moderator. So he he doesn't want to mention who's violating the human rights, who is an obstacle for uh, holding a peace agreement. While the report uh, is free. Uh, it's independent, and it's uh, not just one person. There are multiple. Uh, it's a panel, so um, it was um, um, like more clear, uh, as I said, um, explicit. Who, where is the the violations, and who is causing these violations? And calling for uh, a tribunal to uh, to uh, uh, I mean punish right. the yeah committed right. the, the crimes. Right. Ustar Khaled, this is something what 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 Mohammed is mentioning right now, this is something we discussed in previous uh, episodes and something very interesting. I mean this interaction within the UN structure, right? It's a mess. I mean you have the 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 the, the UN envoy doing something and being accused of being too pro Houthi, for example. We keep seeing these the these hashtag uh, campaigns against him. But then we have the Council on Human Rights that has a panel on Yemen based in Beirut, who also produce two reports a year and have also been criticized. I remember their first panel, their first report of this council was primarily criticized because they called Abdul Malik al-Houthi the leader of the revolution which had not been done. And this violates, I mean, everything that the UN had been saying. But then second, you, you, you know, it's been criticized. This panel has been criticized because they don't have any access. The last time that the, the panel was in Aden, there was a car bomb outside of uh, Shalal's home. And yeah. I don't believe that they've been to Aden or Sanaa since then. And that was two years ago. And, you know, this is something that we discussed with the, with the, the Secretary General during my time. When I was a minister, I said, I, 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 I can hear a united voice of the United Nations in Yemen. I see a lot of voices, different voices. And I'm, I'm thankful to Muhammad that he brought to this, this issue. For example, we have five mandates on Yemen. We have the Office of the Special Envoy. Okay. We have the, the, the resident coordinator, which is the overall umbrella president in, in Yemen, which is, it was Liz Grandi, remember? And, 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 uh, and this is coordinating all the UN agencies working on the ground. And we have the, the political mandate on Hodeida. We have Amra and, and General Goya, and they are just sitting doing nothing because the parties are not interested in implementing the Stockholm Agreement. But the mandate is there, and once you establish a mandate in the UN, you cannot close it. It's it's totally complicated. And Muhammad money, 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 money from international uh, law, and they are receiving almost in two years now more than one hundred ten million, and doing nothing. We say, okay, what right. will happen with the Stockholm Agreement? Say, no, the parties are not interested. So why we have Anmaha? If we I don't, we have the unveil mechanism that is also not non-functional because the smuggling is going on on a daily basis, and the Anmaha and the, and the unveil is working in Djibouti. I don't know if they are still working. 
because I don't see reports on working, working, working. Yeah, and, and once that you, one also has its own budget and yep, its own yep. money and all. Doesn't we matter where. Doesn't matter where. Once you create a bureaucracy, you cannot close that it's bureaucracy. Closing the only UN mission, the UN, the only political mission of the United Nations or the peacekeeping mission that was open and closed was the uh, Timor Leste. That's the only UN mission right. that was open and closed. South Lebanon is for now 30 years is functioning. <laughs> Every small, I mean, you can right. imagine. This is the UN. But we raise this issue, and the UN needs to streamline the work of its agencies in Yemen, and uh, and, and and it's really a missing. Here's I mean, a here's a, here's another look at this problem. But, okay. but let me, before ending, just give me one second, and also because of the limitations of the panel of experts, uh, as as Mohammed mentioned, they only covered maybe ten percent of the issues in Yemen, because they can't cover what's happening in Bel. They don't have access. They can depend, as Mohammed mentioned, they can depend on reports that somebody is sitting there and reporting to you and you use it as a document of the UN. They need to verify, they need to get uh, control of things before uh, in, in the investigation process to respond to the international humanitarian law. They need to be there. They cannot tell you, for right. example, no, we receive reports that the Houthis are doing that. That's why when the panel or any other agency, the, the UN, asking the Houthis to have access it's not necessarily to attack the Houthis all the time, but to get their views. When when the central bank, and and, and I, I didn't mention that with the with the presence of Mustafa, when the central bank received the the the, the first uh, draft of the report, there were no reaction at all, and everything were there. Maybe nobody was reading that, and also they get the information and they get the the, the forms from the central bank. I mean, the, the, my friend, the Tunisian, uh, uh, who is investigating the, uh, the economic and financial part of the report, has worked with the central bank and got all this information from the central bank. Then he, he is criticized because he's unfair, lack of, of, of credibility, and, and all this stuff. He was working with the central bank. It's, right. it's I'm telling you, it's yeah. nonsense. Yeah, I mean, when they when there is no no room to criticize the methodology, when there is no room to criticize the information, then it becomes a personal attack on capacity on the individual expert, which is ridiculous. I mean, they're there for a reason. They they can look at their CV. They can look at everything. So you know, this is ridiculous on the attacks. And you know, trust me, I I I'm, I experienced that. But you know, one of the things that, that that you just mentioned right now, and it's the the length or what they cannot cover or the panel cannot cover or what it covers, you know, one of the th interesting things, like a, like a bureaucracy, you can't give the customer, you can't give the consumer everything you have. And they, and they say, you have to keep them thirsty. You know, you have to keep the, the panel, you have to keep the committee hungry for more, you know, thirsty for more information. Another thing I forgot to mention when Mustafa Noman was here is, you know, these members of the of the Security Council Committee, they don't have the capacity to consume everything that the panel can provide for them either. They don't have not everybody is a P5 has a P5 capacity with intelligence, with the State Department, foreign ministry capacity. They a lot of their a lot of their political officers for these missions are very focused on one or two things. You know, Sweden has been focused on you know Stockholm since since 2018. You know, but other uh, other uh, missions are focused on like Japan on humanitarian assistance and everything. And the only time 
that we get to actually talk about Yemen openly without acronyms, without the background or anything is when we meet the Yemen desk people from the UN secretariat, you know, where we actually exchange, um, uh, where we actually have a face-to-face conversation. But back to the rivalry and to Mohammed's point, you know, you did mention the the country directors that Khaled, you know, and all the UN agencies don't like the panel to come in because then we use their their safe haven, we use their vehicles, we run around saying that it's the UN, and then they say we get a backlash from your report because this then actors working in Abiyan, actors working in Taiz, working in Hodeida will blame us, the UN, for giving you access and giving you information, and then they don't want to cooperate with us. So that's the problem with with the Houthis in Sana'a, too. You know, that that if the UN panel, that that if the the UN agencies or or the NGOs in Sana'a, you saw how they were silenced, uh, NGOs were were silenced in in Sana'a without access to to social media or meetings, etc., that if there is seen to cooperate, then there's, you know, retribution against them. And the UN agencies, whether it's WFP, the WHO, uh, OSHA, you know, they're very afraid, <coughs> excuse me, of the backlash uh, on their work. And, and and you're right, there is no cooperation. The panel cannot share their information with other individuals, but the panel asks everybody for information. Yeah. You, you know, there is no cooperation between the 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 two one four zero panel and the human rights panel in in, in Beirut because they can't cooperate. You, you you see, so it it is. We we touched about how important on the last episode. We touched about how important this U.S. envoy is to coordinating the U.S. policy toward the Yemen conflict. Right? We don't have that in the UN. We don't have that structure there. Everybody's on their own. It goes back to that to the big war inside the United Nations between the secretariat and the bodies, between the secretariat, totally an independent body, and the Security Council as another very important body to secure peace and and, and stability in the world, and between the General Assembly. So the General Assembly is out and defeated. The secretariat are taking the lead, and we were fighting all the time that What's my role as the permanent representative of Yemen? I'm right. more important than the Secretary General when it comes right. to the United Nations because we are member states. Right. But we never, we never be respected and looked at as, 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 as such. Right. Mohammed, uh, with regards to, to, to the panel report and, and the investigations, uh, again, focusing, uh, I, I want to talk to you about the, this issue. Let's, let's create a balance here, for, for example. Detentions, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, that happened by every actor. They're taking yeah. place in Sana'a, they're taking place in Taiz, they're taking place in Shebwa, in Marib, in, in Aden, you know. Um, the legitimacy of these detentions, you know, the justifications within human rights, uh, human yeah. humanitarian law in IHL. Uh, and then next is what the panel highlighted regarding the use of schools. These are... You know, these are structures. Some actors will say, well, there's no school, there's there's no classes, and these are just buildings that we need, 
you know, but these are government buildings. And these are, these are, I wrote about Taez in 2017 about how ISIS and AQ took over police stations and mosques and, and schools and in, in, in the center of Taez under a Saila uh, area and uh, 26 September's uh, road. And now we see how uh, brigades from the from from the legitimate army, the the national army, and the Mahlafi's, uh brigade, non-state actor uh, militia, they took over uh, these schools, and the Houthis then came out. I recall this in 2018, 2019. The Houthis shelling these areas, and they and and the propaganda online or the initial response online from from Houthi rivals is the Houthis are shelling schools. They're trying to kill our children. But the reality now that we, we, we see from this panel reporting on, on, on these schools is there were no children and they were not being used as schools. They were used as militia and military headquarters. So when does this target become a legitimate target? And when is the, are the Houthis then violating IHL, not just you know, the government forces, but the Houthis? Are the Houthis violating IHL by bombing, by bombing these, by shelling these uh, structures? Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, um, I guess there are a lot of uh, points. I'll try to go through them. Uh, first of all, the report, we sh sh shouldn't uh, forget that the report, like accusing everyone, including the government, the Houthis, STC, by violating human uh, international humanitarian law, all of them committed war crimes, actually. And that's why the report uh, calling the UN to consider uh, uh, establishing a tribunal uh, on these crimes uh, in Yemen. Um, I also like, uh, before going to these, uh, following to, to the note that as the conflict in Yemen and the report clearly uh, said, mentioning or uh, the Yemeni government and the non-state actors referring to the, to the STC and the Houthis, that's the credit as the minister Khaled mentioned, Accredited for the government. That's in the first place. All what these, uh, all what these uh, non-state actors uh, under uh, actions undermining the state is illegal from the first place. And then what they do, everyone, and then what everyone is doing, including the government, violating the IHL, it's a crime. So for regarding the, the, the detainees, I, um, I guess from the first place, the UN itself uh, has has been confused about. Uh, about the, the, the detainees in Yemen. As you know, the Stockholm Agreement refers to the uh, detainees in Yemen as prisoners, and which is um, its conflict with the UN uh, describing or uh, designating the conflict in Yemen as non-international armed conflict, which the main difference between non-international armed conflict and international armed conflict is the title of the detainees. So they shouldn't use the, 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 the title of prisoners because prisoners of, of war, it's only as, uh, you, you know, it's one of the basic or the main difference between the International Armed Conflict, IAC, and the International Armed Conflict, NIAC. So, uh, but the UN itself confuses this. Uh, so we, uh, that's first of all. The, the detainees, really, uh, one of the main, uh, I mean, the, 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 uh, the violations that everyone by, I mean, committed. However, I guess the report was more clearly that the, uh, the, the Houthis been using them. And I mean, they committed everyone, everyone been accused for torturing, which is a war crime. Uh, 
but also the report been uh, uh, mentioning the, uh, the the journalist detainees mentioned the using that's been using the civilian detainees to uh, switch uh, to exchange with um, fighters from the Houthi side. So it was uh, more clearly for that. Um, for the schools, which is a really interesting point, that's when how or when the uh, the uh, civilian objects become a military object. When it's become like that, it's lose its uh, protection under the, the IHL. The, under the IHL, one of the main principles of the IHL is the distinguish uh, uh, distinct the distinction between the civilian object and military object, and each and that's mean only military object been using for military uh, advantages are can be used as a target um, for a military target. However, the uh, the when the defender using I mean, uh, taking human shield or, you know, using schools or uh, or um, hospitals or, or houses for civilians. And then they are become the one who blame for targeting this, the, the civilians. So the uh, the distinction between civilian objects and military objects, it's uh, an, um, an obligation for both the, the attacker and the defender not to, uh, the attacker not to, to target a, a civilian object. And the defender not to use the military, uh, the civilian uh, object for uh, military advances. Uh, but, however, it's it's very hard. In, 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 I mean, it should be addressed case by case because you need to. Uh, when the defender will say, "Well, the Houthis uh, using the school for military uh, uh, object," or when the Houthis will say the other are using uh, uh, school or hospital for uh, military uh, purposes. Then the, uh, the the proof will be the, the the burden for the proof will be for the attackers to prove that this civilian uh, of object, this civilian uh, prop, I mean, uh, object, been used for uh, military uh, purposes. Uh, and I guess this has been used by everyone. So, you know, when the airstrikes happen in in a very in dense populated areas, uh, and then we'll say there's a military uh, bases or schools. They have, they have, they are the one who has to prove that that's a civilian object been turned to a military object. The same way when the Houthis will launch uh, like uh, missiles on a, 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 a highly populated uh, civilian area in Taiz, and they say, oh, these turn the school for a military object. They have the one who has to prove the uh, uh, that this uh, object been turned to a military, uh, ob- right. uh, I mean, uh, object. Uh, right. Is that answering your yes. question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, 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 uh, Fernando, yes, I, I might disagree with uh, Muhammad because if you, I refer him to the agreement in Stockholm on the prisoners, it's not about prisoners only. The, the, the agreement stated prisoners, detainees, disappearance, and, 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 and all sorts of kidnapping. And it's, it's really, I mean, uh, um, covering all this because the, the final report, today's report is mentioning that the Houthis are also arresting people from the street and using them in the swap. Just to say... Yeah, I don't agree with you. I, I don't... Uh, I agree with you. No, no, I agree with you. They use different... They use the de- detainees, uh, the term of detainees, but the term prisoners, 
shouldn't be used because it's is uh, um, identified by the UN as a non-international armed conflict. And within international armed conflict, based on the Geneva Convention, they only use term detainees or uh, inter- internees, yeah, yeah. but they don't use prisoner. That's all right. what I uh, wanted to say. Yeah, and, and and I do want to touch on these two things, uh, Ustad Khaled and, and, and Mohammed. For example, with, with regards to the targeting uh, of civilian uh, object, uh, structures, etc., facilities. You know, we have the incident of the airstrike on the on the school bus, right in in in, in Hajjah, uh, 2018, and we went through that investigation, and I'll. Others on social media, I can only focus on this open source investigation, not on what we did, but I'll point to that, what we saw on Twitter and social media back then in 2019 regarding this this incident. You know, there was a lot of evidence pointing to the Houthi using this particular type of bus, school bus, to Ooh. transport commanders within Hajja and Sada. You you, you 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 know, um, and Jihad and the coalition looked at this and they pointed to a particular commander that was suspected of being on this uh, on this bus, and they pointed to the to to mm-hmm. to the route uh, of this bus from from a Houthi camp into the city. You know, it was just the timing that nobody could understand, including the Americans, could understand why the the coalition took so long to hit at that bus before it entered the city, that they were tracing the bus for about 30 minutes. They're asking, if you knew that the commanders in the militia were in the bus, why did you wait until it arrived and it was parked in the city at, by the souk? You, you, you know, so we would have had a very different debate, very different discussion had the bus been hit on the road on its own. Uh, and then there would have been no chance for this propaganda of throwing, you know, backpacks from from a camp that happened months before that strike. So that was another thing that came out on the on, on, on the on, on the investigation that was put on, on social media, that if you looked at the children that were supposed that were claimed to be on that bus, they had been on the summer camp months before. Not that mm-hmm. day, not that week. You know, nobody's doubting that this bus was used for 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 the camp. Just the timing. Yeah, but we, we let me just tell you that the, the coalition issue a report, detailed report on what happened. Right. I think it was it was the slow reaction of the command and control on 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 acting. I think they have they have um, uh, they have the the. the their interoperability ready on the on the on the on the on the on the space. Uh, then something happened. They removed that. So once once they took the decision, the the the, the their, their 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 interoperabilities were not ready in the space. That's why they they had to to bring it back. And when they came, they targeted without knowing, getting right. uh, the, the precise. And this is happening in in wars, but. Uh, but the coalition walked in details this report, and they said that some of the officers are under investigation. And uh, let me just uh, emphasize what, what Muhammad was mentioning. It's very important. In, in, in all these uh, civil wars and, 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 uh, and, and wars like what's happening in Yemen, uh, always people are asked by the UN and asked by the international observers to have the non-target list. So the non-target list is huge in Yemen. I remember I saw it in the coalition 
uh, room in, 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 in the operation room in, 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 in Riyadh. And it's huge. But what happened, as Muhammad Shweter said, people use the, the, the safe havens as, as centers for their operations, for their command and control, for their forces to, and because they think that it will be safer there. Then, then you attack that, and as he mentioned, everybody has a responsibility. Those who, who have the non-target uh, list uh, being violated, and those who are using the, 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 the uh, civilian infrastructure. And in Yemen, every time that we go further in this war, deeper in this war, we will keep committing more uh, international humanitarian law violations because war is devastating Yemen. And there is no, no reasoning, no wisdom. It's just killing everyone in front of you. What's happening in Gaza is really an, an example of, 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 of the, the inhuman phase of this war. Right. In, uh, I, in, in, yeah. Let, let me make this. Yeah, give me okay. give me one one quick second, and then I'll give you the word, and 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 we're gonna have to close it in with with we your 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 yeah with your with your comments. We'll close with your comments, Mohammed. But one of these issues, Ustad, and you were involved in the Stockholm uh, Agreement and the Stockholm Plan, and this big finding that Mohammed mentioned regarding the uh, uh, practice by Houthis of kidnapping new rivals, new opponents, new dissenters, kidnapping them, imprisoning them, and then instead of, you know, dealing with the previously detained, disappeared individuals in the detainee exchange, they use these new detainees for the exchange. So then, you, you, you know, the families of people that have been in jail for three or four years, you know, they're still waiting. They're still wondering what what benefit is Stockholm for them if their if their relatives are still in jail, and for the the other parties for GOY and the coalition, why would they engage in another prisoner exchange where they're not addressing the real problem of the prisoner detainee issue? You know, it appears that any agreement on a prisoner exchange merely creates more detainees. It it adds to the numbers. So, in, in, you know, while this last uh, detainee prisoner exchange in October was praised as the largest, you know, in history and blah, 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 and a great progress and everything. OK, the Houthis exchanged 500, but then there's still 2000 in jail. The, the, the Saudis are not getting their officers out, which are in a couple of dozen. The Americans keep getting one at a time. We don't know how many other U.S. nationals are in jail at the PSO or National Security Prison in 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 in, in Sanaa or Taiz. But uh, Mohammed, um, your comments regarding this, um, and I know that we've been here a while, and Ustad Khaled has to run. But uh, your comments, Mohammed, on all of this. Yeah, um, my comment first of all um, regarding the bus or other incidents that's. Um, that's why we need uh, an independent uh, investigation uh, group in Yemen because each each because each incident or violations of international humanitarian law uh, it's hard to to dig deep and to get the real picture because uh, everyone will, who can claim oh this is a civilian object or this is a military object or you know uh, because a lot of conditions can switch the, the decision which is was legit or un, or unlegit legitimate target and as um, um, minister khalid mentioned that's the, the war is devastating so whatever however we have rules under the ihl we cannot prevent we cannot determine each 
violations, who is the wrong, who is the right. Because a lot of conditions, based on these conditions, the facts, you will say, oh, this is the, the, the portraiture, and this is, uh, it's not, the blame is in this side, or not on this side. A lot of these violations, you cannot um, mention who's the, the, the wrongdoing, because it will end up without uh, any evidence. And as Mr. Khaled also mentioned, that the, the panel on many of their reports relying on other reports, which they don't have the first-hand uh, like evidence. However, in many of the uh, violations it's been mentioned in the report, I see it, they say they have, it's, it's based on evidence. Sometimes the language will be vague. It comes to our attention. And sometimes they will say it's uh, come to our evidence we have the, that's this uh, violations committed by such a person. Uh, so it's not all not all the not all the reports are based on other reports. Also, as um, regarding to the uh, detainees you mentioned, uh, I guess the UN should uh, do can put more uh, like pressure on both sides, all, all parties having detainees and. Uh, they can, they have mandate, they have uh, pressure. The UN is not just uh, uh, an, uh, a moderator. They have the UN Security Council. They can use uh, such a power to, to uh, on both sides to at least limit the more detainees, uh, you know, and be switch, switching uh, civilians with, uh, with uh, combatants. That's uh, unacceptable right. if the UN will stuck to the uh, international law and international humanitarian law. Right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us. Your insight, always appreciated. Mohammed, thank you very thank much, you. my friend. Uh, appreciate really appreciate your insight. Mr. Khaled, uh, our friend, our main friend. Muchas gracias. Muchísimas gracias otra vez. De nuevo. Right. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure being with you all. Thank you. And to our audience, uh, don't forget to keep up with our podcast. Uh, we already have five out in less than a month. So we've been busy, 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 busy. But thank you very much to everyone. We look forward to our next conversation, our next podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, follow all the audio on Anchor and Spotify. And we'll, we'll be tweeting again uh, pretty soon about our upcoming uh, episodes. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.